hey, y'all, Sam Sanders here in my apartment going through all of the streaming whatever services I pay for every month. I pay for Hulu. I pay for the extra Hulu thing where you get like live TV on it. I pay for Amazon Prime Video. I pay for Netflix. I pay for the fastest high-speed internet to watch all of those things. But you know what? When I add it all up, I realize I listen to public radio more than I watch any of those streaming platforms combined. And here's the thing. Public radio, unlike all those other things, we don't send you a bill every month. All we do is every now and then ask you to give. So I'm doing that now. If you go right now to donate.npr.org slash Sam, you can give and support the original streaming service, Public Radio. Your donation helps local stations across the country. Also helps shows like this keep coming at you with fresh, new, hot content. Go to donate.npr.org slash Sam. Thank you. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. You are hearing, right now, one of Maroon 5's many number one hits. This song is called Girls Like You. It was at the top of the charts for several weeks this year. And I'm playing Maroon 5 in this song right now because I want to share with you a small piece of Maroon 5 trivia that you may not know. Here it is. Maroon 5 has more than five members. Yes, actually more than five. And one of those members is a singer and songwriter and artist in his own right. And over the last few years, I've become a very big fan. I'm talking with him today. His name is PJ Morton. As a solo artist, PJ has worked with Stevie Wonder and Lil Wayne and Erica Badu. And he also just got three Grammy nominations for his latest live album. So... The focus of my chat with PJ today is his new holiday album. It's called Christmas with PJ Morton. I uh, think Christmas classics meets the soul of Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway with a sprinkle of New Orleans bounce. We'll play a few of those songs in this interview. We'll chat about PJ's solo career, and we'll talk about PJ's dad. Uh, PJ's father, Paul S. Morton, is a very famous gospel singer and preacher who I grew up listening to. We talk about all of that, and of course, we touch on Maroon 5 and their reported, alleged possible performance at next year's Super Bowl. All right, let's get into it. Here's me with PJ Morton and a whole lot of music. Enjoy. What is your, like, tour regimen? Like, what do you have in your trailer? What is your routine? All touring artists, I feel like, have their own little thing. Yeah, we're pretty chill. I mean, we play a lot of cards. That's how we pass time on the what road. What games? That's a big... Uh, we play spades. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, multiple okay. games. We just play a bunch of spades games. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to announce that I am three-time international champion right now. International? So. Yeah, yeah. We've played all over the world. We played in Australia. <laughs> we played all over Europe, all over Asia. It. So, yeah, yeah, it's a it. real thing. <laughs> Yeah. So I want to talk about everything you've done, but we're going to talk about your holiday album. Um, okay. And I got to say, for starters, I have a very high bar for holiday albums and for holiday yeah. classics and people trying to mess with holiday classics. Sure. But I'm going to tell you, PJ, the first track of the album, it kind of showcased how you are preserving the soul of these classic tunes, but finding ways to reimagine them sure. in some pretty lovely ways. Oh, 
For instance, his first song on the album, it's a reggae version of Winter Wonderland. Are you listening in the land? Snow is glistening. Beautiful sight. Happy tonight. Walking in the winter wonderland. Going away. It's the bluebird. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. What made you want to do it that way? You know, it was really important to me. So I'm, I, like you, am a, a hard critic of Christmas albums because. I love the classics, and, oh, and yeah. the reason those songs have been around so long is because they're just so well-written, and exactly. the melodies are already perfect. Um, so I definitely wanted to keep the essence of these songs, but also wanted to make it exciting to listen to them. I mean, they've been done a million times now. Um, so I didn't know which song I wanted to be reggae, but I knew I wanted to do a reggae version of a huh. Christmas song. And actually, my drummer mentioned Winter Wonderland. And as soon as we started, we were like, yep. Really? That's it. You so, just knew? Yep. That was the one. We didn't try another one. We went straight to that one, and it just flowed. To face on a Well, and then there's this like little vamp you throw in there that I haven't heard done with that song before. Yeah. Where you kind of vamp on like walking. It's real cool. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of uh, it's kind of a church thing, you know. It's oh, probably, totally. It's probably me. It's probably me growing up in church where I, I just wanted to vamp it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because church folks can make any song last as long as it needs to, and a vamp will do That's, that for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> um, another question I have for you is like, what songs you choose to cover? Because with these classics, some of them are so classic that when people cover them, they only embarrass themselves. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. And you made a big gamble in covering Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Big shoes mm-hmm. to fill, but I think you filled yeah. them. We're going to play some right now. I don't want a lot for Christmas There is just one thing I need I don't care about the presents Underneath the Christmas tree So you slowed it down, made it even more soulful, giving me some Stevie vibes. Yeah. More than you could ever know But, like, were you afraid to tackle this song? Uh, my, uh, my plan for that was to just not compete with Mariah, you know. It's like, let me get out of the way <laughs> totally. Let me make this a whole Good other choice. thing, you know, where it's like we're just apples and oranges, you know. Yeah. Um, I think. First of all, it's hard to create a modern Christmas classic. So, like I said, I stayed true to that melody. Hers is classic, and it always will be. But, yeah, that was my um, my strategy was just to get out of the way altogether. See, I just want you for my own More than you could ever know Make my wish come true Baby, all I want for Christmas is 
Why do you think it's so hard to make a modern day Christmas classic? Because it really um, hasn't been a, like a, like a, like a new classic since that song, which is what? Yeah, twenty years old now. Exactly. Um, I don't know. It's got to. It's it's a perfect combination of things. It's got to be like repeatable you know like mm-hmm. replayable like you've got to want to hear it over and over but you also got to say something kind of fresh but yeah. also not really you know you gotta you gotta talk about the things that have always been talked about you know they're yeah. talking about the mistletoes and they're talking about <laughs> presents under the tree yeah um so i think it's just a there's got to be a perfect little combination that um i think if people actually knew the uh the uh, the chemistry of that they would be doing it over and over but it, I don't think anybody knows you just kind of fall on that. And everyone is singing. I hear those sleigh bells ringing. Santa, won't you bring me back to what I need? Won't you bring my baby back to me? I don't want a lot for Christmas. This Perhaps the biggest influence I'm hearing on the album and on honestly all of your albums is mm-hmm. the church the black church yeah. the southern black sure. church and like it's most evident for me in this album there's this like good 30 seconds or so at the end of one of the original songs that you have for the album it's called do you believe and like mm-hmm. the last 40 seconds or so it's just straight up church organ yeah b3 it's beautiful thanks man and it takes me right back to church Sunday morning when the organist is filling that time between the offering and the announcements you know that's right the organist gets to go up we call it talking music that's right that's right yeah Yeah. I love it (laughs) so that's just really me being me yeah and I could never uh, get away from from my upbringing you know I thought about a transition going from um from that song to I'll Be Home for Christmas and I'm like, you know, let's do a church thing going into the next song and it it felt right. I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me Did you play in your church growing up? Oh yeah, big time. I wrote... I wrote a lot of songs just like that, sitting on the organ while while my dad was talking yeah. <laughs> during church. And presents on the tree. Ooh. Christmas Eve will find me. And um, a lot of melodies and, and uh, songs would come to me right there. I would veer off into my own world playing that talking music and talking music. Work on new songs, yeah. Speaking of I'll Be Home for Christmas, mm-hmm. I want to play a bit to okay. showcase the wonderful horn and string arrangements you have all through this album. If only my That's beautiful. Who's doing those arrangements for you? Matt freaking Jones. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Matt Jones, he's kind of, you know, my partner right now since Gumbo. Um, mm-hmm. He just gets me. I just think he's the perfect partner. I, I've, I've watched a bunch of Frank Sinatra things and how really he, um, became, I mean, that's what made me bring on Matt. You know, I was listening to a lot of Frank before I did, um, before I worked on Gumbo. 
and I knew I wanted a lot of orchestration. But I, when I think back to his and Quincy Jones' relationship, you know, and how the orchestrator was just so important to what he was trying to do in that era, um, I, I think of Matt Jones that way, where it's like those arrangements are just they're luscious, insane. I miss, I mean, it's it's like you hear top 40 music nowadays. God, I sound old. <laughs> and you never hear this anymore. Yeah. And I know that sound. I've heard that sound my whole life, you know? Yeah. It's almost like magic. Okay, time for a break. When we come back, we talk a bit about Maroon 5 playing the biggest show on screen, the Super Bowl. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. Tito's is distilled from corn and naturally gluten-free, spreading the love one drop at a time. For recipes, videos, and more, visit them at titosvodka.com. Crafted to be savored responsibly. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, 5th Generation Inc., distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Cube-shaped wombat poop, an elevator to space, and a karate kicking cockroach. I'm Mindy Thomas of NPR's Wow in the World podcast. And every Monday this December, we bring you all new scientific wows to share with the curious kids in your life. Find Wow in the World on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to pivot and talk about Mm -hmm. um, this other band that you're affiliated with. A little band mm. folks might have heard of called Maroon Five. Yeah, that little band. We're we're working. We're working, man. We're trying to get to the top. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you are you are in Maroon Five. Are there more than five members? There are, technically, <laughs> yeah. How many are there now? So when I joined the band, there were six of us. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, the original keyboard player, after two years of me touring with the band, uh kind of took a two year sabbatical. Okay. Um which is when I popped up. I was already playing, but mm-hmm. I popped up two years later, and they were like, oh, it's a black dude in Maroon 5? Just, this is the thing. I was telling someone about interviewing up. you today, and they were like, and I was like, he's in Maroon 5 too. And I was like, and they said, Adam Lee, there's no black person in Maroon 5. And I said, actually, right. there is. Yeah, nine years almost. But um, I love it, man. Those, are, uh, those have become my brothers. And it also gives me balance. Um, hmm. How you know, so? I, I like being able to go back and forth um, from my solo thing to that thing. I, I get to take a back seat. Uh, sometimes the pressure of running everything on your own thing, you know, can be a lot. And it seems like right when it's getting too much, then there's a Maroon Five tour, and I can just play keyboards and sing background vocals, you know, and not <laughs> run everything. And yeah. then when I'm when I'm, you know, getting tired of that, then it's like, all right. Back to PJ Morton tour. So it's allowed me, I feel very like blessed, man, and very fortunate to even be able to have these two things going on in my life. Yeah. I feel like, which song of y'all's is like number one right now as we speak? Uh, Girls Like You is number one. Yeah. yeah. Or it has been for a while. How does yeah. that feel? Like, that must... Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
it's crazy to have the number one song in in the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I joined the band, the next album, the first album I played on, Overexposed, we had five number ones in a row, you know? And I'm like, so for us to still be doing it right now, I'm like, man, we're... This is all borrowed time, you know. This like, <laughs> is great. Let's just enjoy every minute because um, we're we're just so fortunate. I hear you. Y'all are going yeah. to be playing on the biggest stage in a few months, the Super Bowl. Um, exciting. Uh, is exciting. I can't really uh, even like. It's crazy because that's fully out there, right? But I cannot yeah. officially confirm or deny that, <laughs> which. It's just crazy, right? That's, come uh, on. Hey, man. I, I, listen, <laughs> I'm just here <laughs> talking about Christmas with PJ Morton. Uh, nah, but I, I can't officially do that. Um, I know it sounds crazy. It feels crazy. It feels so what crazy. do you say to your friends and family when they're like, hey, I saw the headlines? When I got all those congratulations messages? Yeah, yeah what do like, you say? I was just like, hey, I can't confirm or deny that. Thank you. <laughs> To your dad, <laughs> it might be it might have been a different conversation with my dad. Okay, okay, okay. I'm yeah. not gonna ask if you're already rehearsing because then that would give it away. So I'm not asking right. Well, you that. I, I can I can say I can say without any uh, hesitation that we haven't rehearsed. Okay. So I don't even okay. know if it's happening, man. I can't yeah. confirm or deny it. No. <laughs> so, I mean, a thing that will be an issue for whoever plays that big game, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to say we don't know who it is yet, uh, yeah. is the NFL's stance on taking knee protest and black players and protest during these games. It's rumored and believed that Rihanna turned down playing the game because of this. Yeah, yeah I heard that. Would that be an issue for you and a thing that you think about? Um, well, you know, first of all, well, I know that the NFL is not uh, enforcing that anymore. They're allowing players to kneel. I heard that the reason Rihanna turned it down, uh, allegedly, was because she's with Cap, you know? Um, with, with Colin Kaepernick? With him, meaning, you know, oh, that's the oh, hashtag. Oh, okay. The yes, hashtag, yes, I'm okay. with Cap. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I stand with I'm him. with Cap. Um, so I think if I were to play the Super Bowl, um, initially I was, was feeling like, man, I don't know if this is the year I necessarily want to play it. Um, but you know, I do think that it's a little gray out there. It's like, you know, I saw Eric Reed, um, take a job with the, with the Panthers and, um, you know, so he's working for the NFL. Uh, Eric Reed was the guy who was on the 49ers with Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And kneeled next to him, you know, mm-hmm. and was also rumored to not being able to get a job for that mm-hmm. reason. But he he's taking a job now with the Panthers. Um, so I just think it it gets a little gray on with on what I'm with Cap means, you know. Um, I definitely know um, that if with Cap means um, I agree with peacefully protesting, I'm with Cap for sure. I'm against uh, police brutality, against, um, you know, the disproportionate police brutality against black and brown people. Uh, mm-hmm. If that's what I'm with Cap means, then I'm with him for sure as well. So, um, you know, that's that's my feelings about it. We shall see. Whoever plays that game. Whoever <laughs> plays that game. <laughs> All right. Time for one more break here. When we come back, PJ's Roots in the church. 
And also, PJ struggled to make his own path out of his father's shadow. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas has re-engineered socks for ultimate comfort by getting rid of that annoying toe seam, adding arch support, and using some of the world's softest cotton. And for every pair purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. To date, they've sold and donated over 10 million pairs. To feel the Bombas difference, go to bombas.com slash minute for 20% off your first order. Okay, one more time before we get back to PJ. Embrace the reason for the season. Give to Public Radio. Go to donate.npr.org slash Sam to support Public Radio. You give money every month to Hulu and Amazon Video and Netflix and all those other things. And you know you like us better. Help us out. Donate.npr.org slash Sam. Thank you. So I did not know this until I was prepping for this interview, but you are the son of the Paul S. Morton, who I grew up listening to. Wow. I had no idea. That's cool for me. Uh, Yeah. We we, we joke with each other because his shadow was so huge growing up, you know. I'm sure. But now he he jokes around and says people walk up to him and say, hey, you're PJ Morton's dad, you know. (laughs) I used to get, I used to get, you're Bishop Morton's son, but now he gets it more than me. So it's working out. I got to play a little bit of your dad just to show our listeners how this man sure. can bring it. Uh, there's this song, Your Tears, mm-hmm. that my mom used to play in the car for probably two or three years straight. And your dad man. was wailing on that song. He's a crooner. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Oh, 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 I remember that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it sticks with you. Yeah, yes. it's crazy. My dad could have took a much different path. They wanted him to be like Al Green's competition back then. Really? Atlantic wanted to sign him. And really? uh, he just knew that he wanted to be a preacher, and that was his calling. But um, it wasn't because he couldn't hang, you know? He's, he's, a, he's a bad man. Are you ever on your dad's albums? Um, yeah. Well, that one, I was too young. I was in the youth choir on one song. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I have, I've worked with my dad and, and recorded with him and written for him and whatnot. So we stay close. Did he trip out when you were like, I'm not only going to do gospel music? Yeah. Uh, yeah, initially, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. There was, there was some, uh, some pushback uh, from my family initially. Um, mostly... I think in the beginning, they felt like it was just a, a rebellion, you know, a preacher's kid just rebelling. Yeah. Um, was it? Once, uh, no, I don't think so. I just felt like I genuinely wanted to talk about more than just God, you know. Um, mm. I just felt like there was there was so much more um, in creativity to talk about. Life, you know, all the things, if you believe he's the creator of all things, then Let's talk about all those things he created, not just yeah. him, you know. Uh, so uh, it wasn't a rebellion for me. It was just me uh, feeling a need to, to talk about more. And um, I think when he saw that my purpose was, you know, as potent, you know, and as important, you know, he let go of that and, and just got behind me like a 
like a great father. He's been my my biggest support system. Um, but I, yeah, I'd be lying if I if I said that he didn't have a dream of me, like you know, following his footsteps for sure. Yeah. So you know, I I I was in New Orleans one summer for an internship, mm-hmm. and while I was there, I was like, I gotta go to Paul S. Morton's church, and yeah. I did, and it was amazing because he does this thing where he understands very well the theatrics and the timing you need to make a church service and to make a song at a church service pop. And so there's mm-hmm. some song the choir's singing, and he's like still sitting down because he hasn't gotten up yet. But the choir sings mm-hmm. the song. You think the song is done. The band brings it back up. Your dad gets up from his seat goes to like the lead singer takes the lead singer's mic and starts singing the song again he's like bring it back and he just has this 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 this, such a precise read of timing and pacing that is just impeccable it's impeccable i think i think part of that is is just instinct um part of that is just he's been doing it for a long time man you know and um for me he he was the greatest teacher Mm. uh just being able to watch him you know, lead, lead over people and, you know, control a room and be sensitive to a room. That's really what it comes down to, being sensitive and being open. Yeah. So I couldn't help but become a, a studied performer. You know, I got to watch him for years and years and not just watch him, but play behind him, you know, so yeah. be connected to that same process. What is a thing that you find yourself always bringing to your live shows, to your performances that you learned directly from him or saw him do all the time? Yeah, well, I think the call. I think the involving people. You mm. know, I've watched. I've I've been a part of things and watched things where people just perform to the audience. You know, yeah. Um, but for me, church was and what my dad did was involve the people, talk back to me, sing with me. I always say, um, and I'm not exaggerating, that I have the best sounding audience. Yeah. Of, of any artist. Uh, yeah. My, my audience can sing, man. Always, any city. They're harmonizing without me asking, you know. I uh, but it. I think the call and response is, the, is definitely the, the, the biggest thing I took from him. I want to talk about another influence of yours, which mm-hmm. anyone listening can hear. Um, Stevie Wonder, uh, we actually asked you ahead of this chat to share with us a few of the songs that you like to hear uh, during the holidays. You sent us a Stevie Wonder song called Someday at Christmas. I want to post a little bit of it right now. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys Playing with bombs like kids play with toys One warm December, our hearts will see A world where men are free mm, How old was he on this song? Had to be young, man. It was like young Stevie. He was born in 50, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like early 20s. When we have found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday all our dreams will come. What about him is so influential to you? It's so many things, you know. I, it's so it's so crazy. I tell people that I wasn't a fanatic in that way where I was like listening to every word. It was more uh I internalized it in a way. It spoke to me deeper than what was being said or played. It was kind of like a connection of like, oh, this is the way I wanna say things. One happy morning people share a world where people And he 
his voicings, you know, his changes. Uh, the melodies um, are just something we, we still haven't heard, you know. Oh, totally. On, at, at that level. Um, like his so. chord changes were weird. They were strange. Yeah. They were like out there. Yeah, but his genius was they were weird. But then he put a simple melody on top of it. Yeah. And you don't even realize it's weird. And to, well, me as a musician, right, I, 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 I wouldn't even realize they were weird until I tried to go play it. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> he changed keys right there? I didn't even, I thought we were in the same key right now. You know? Yeah. The genius is when you can be complex and uh, serve it in a way that's like, feels simple. Yeah. But Now we and now we can't get away from Stevie without pointing out that you had the honor of uh, working with him. Y'all did a song together. Yes. What song? Absolutely. Um, it's a song called "Only One" on this album I did called New Orleans. Um, we were nominated for a Grammy for that song actually, twenty thirteen, wow. best R and B song. Yeah. So and he played the harmonica, to, right? He played the harmonica on it. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And, and uh, you know, to me, still my. My greatest accomplishment for me, my personally in my career, is to be able to work with Stevie, and uh, so yeah, I still don't get used to it. We have sort of a relationship now, you know, where oh, I can snap. call him if I need to. But uh, I wait. Don't when even, does one need to call Stevie Wonder? What is the that's what, what is saying. the circumstance? I don't even take advantage of that. I'm like, man, I'm I'm not bothering Stevie Wonder. You know, it's still <laughs> like he's still. I hold him in such high esteem. It's like, hey, man. I know I can, but I'm gonna just chill, you know. Yeah. Uh, Favorite Stevie song? Oof. Um. There's this song called "Summer Soft." Okay. That's my favorite. I go deep cut with Stevie. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say yeah. "Golden Lady." It's great from Inner Visions. The greatest Moog bass performance ever is on "Golden Lady." It's so good. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. like I like came to Inner Visions at this really inter- like so I we grew up in a gospel music only household like we could not have mm-hmm. any secular music in the house sure. and i remember buying intervisions at like a half price books or whatever when i was in like eighth mm-hmm. grade but i would have to sneak to the bathroom to listen to it wow, and so i would yeah. be holed up in the bathroom with the door locked for hours just playing intervisions over and over that sounds very similar to me really uh, it was probably eighth grade i was 13 yeah and i well so somebody gave me a cassette tape with um Never Dream You Leave in Summer. And mm. that sparked my curiosity about Stevie. So there was a Circuit City uh, around, <laughs> uh, my, around my house. Yeah, RIP Circuit City. <laughs> and um, so I started to buy Stevie Wonder CDs in chronological order. I started with like music in my mind. Oh, wow. And um, I literally went into like a, a Stevie stupor and I wouldn't listen to anything else. Wow. Um, but like Stevie albums. And so... Yeah. I wasn't writing songs then yet or anything, you know. Um, but the influence came, I think, because I just was in Stevie school for, I don't know. It could have been a whole year. Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember my friends being into whatever was out currently. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, man, you got to hear this from 1968. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You gotta <laughs> Stevie hear this, school. This music of my mind from 1969. Yeah. yeah. And my drummer, who's still my drummer now, 
I would make him listen to Stevie all day if he came to my house. So, uh, But he's still rocking with me, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> Stevie school. Yeah. Back to you having Stevie's number, basically. What would rise to the occasion of you saying, I'm calling Stevie? I don't know. But I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing something with him, actually, before the end of the year. I don't think I can announce it yet, but... We're doing something together before this year's out. All right. Yeah. Well, you got you got less than a it's month to put it out there. It's my boy. It's my boy Stevie. Yeah, it should probably, it should be out. It should be out today or tomorrow, actually. Oh, well, then just say because it's going to run next week. I don't even. I don't even want to. <laughs> okay, I don't okay, even okay, want okay. to. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. You. It's Stevie, man. I just told you. I just told yeah. you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't mess with that. That's, nah, that. I'm not messing. I'm not messing with your relationship. That's bad. Yeah, you, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I'm holding it. Just nuts roasted on an open fire. Hey, thank you so much for your music, for your time. I'm a really, really big fan. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. It was a good talk. Of course. All right, man, take care. All right. Being sung by choir and folks Just up like Eskimo Everybody knows All right. PJ's holiday album is called Christmas with PJ Morton. Thanks to PJ, he is on tour through the rest of this year. I will not miss him when he's in L.A. later this month. All right, also, listeners, a reminder for our Friday episode, do not forget to share with me the best thing that happened to you all week. Record yourself, send that file to me at samsanders at npr.org. Sam Sanders at npr.org. You might hear yourself in the show, in the podcast, on the radio. Could be fun. All right, till Friday. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase.